0: Never left. The Grateful Eight Show is back in the building. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to episode number 13. Got my co-pilot Marcus Watts along for the ride once again this morning. How you doing? Monday morning
1: Marcus. I'm doing great man. Had a nice little weekend. You know what I mean? Got some great sleep last night and uh I'm, I'm having some coffee. Shout out to Jeremy and Nolly, who got me this, uh it says uh I'm vegan, which means I love all things. <laughs> I love all living things except you. You're an asshole. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect cup for you, Marcus Watts. I tell you, right? what, how you doing today, though, bro?
0: Bro, I'm good. Finally, not sick anymore. uh Your boy had a two-week yeah, about that, man. I feel like uh it's just it's part of what happens when my wife has a kid. I get sick. So when we had Rylan, I got COVID. Like the bad COVID where I was out for like 10 days right after she was born. And this time around little Q man showed up and about a week later I got the flu. So I had the flu. No. Now it was, it was flu B. And so quick, what happened there is my daughter got it at school and we could tell both of our girls were sick. Uh, my oldest daughter, Rain, her fever lasted so many days where it was like, all right, we need to actually take her to a doctor. Just to make sure everything's okay. Cause her temperature was very high for, uh, extended amount of days. So it was time to take her to the doctor. So she tested yeah. positive for flu B. Well, it was my job as the husband. I was on maternity leave. And so I had, I had the time and the energy. So I kept the two girls away from mom and baby. Right. Cause you definitely don't want to get the baby sick. Don't want to get mom sick. Right. Right. And in my head the whole time I'm sitting there like, it's just a ticking time bomb. Like I'm, I'm going to get the, food <laughs> because if these kids have it and I'm like spending all my time and energy with them, like I'm going to get it. And so we took yeah. So we took rain to the doctor. She, she tested positive for flu B. And so we got her through it. And sure enough, bro, like the next day it hit me. And, uh, so I worked my way through that for a couple of days. Good thing about flu B is it's not a lot of throwing up or anything like that. It's more just like fever and chills and you just don't feel very good. So, uh, made my way through that. And then middle of last week, uh, I almost felt like it was coming back on Wednesday. It was, I, I had the chills again. I was like, what the heck's going on? but my throat started getting itchy. I was like, man, this ain't good. Something's not right. Then my eyes started getting bloodshot. And by the end of the day on Wednesday, yeah. By the end of the day on Wednesday, I was like, all right, I got to go to the hospital. (laughs) So I went to the urgent care and got tested and I tested positive for strep. So in a matter of a week, probably about a week and a half, two weeks, I had flu followed up with strep. And so, uh, the worst part for me about being sick is just I, I, I hate the feeling of being lazy and like just laying around and not doing anything. Like I actually like we talked about it. One of the best things
1: is rest.
0: I know. But like, you know, we like our routines. We like to get up. We like to go to the gym. We like to do all stuff. You can't do none of that stuff, bro. You just lay in bed. And so that that part was tough. Um luckily I had my mom was here when I was sick with the flu. And then my mother in law was here during the, the rest of my sickness. So luckily Nicole had some help. So we made it work. But um, yeah i just don't like that part um i know you were i had text you telling you i wasn't feeling good last week and you had some remedies do you, do you have some special remedies you you little vegan you that you uh, <laughs> yeah yeah like so, like um, mixing up you, you got some you got something you you grow in your backyard that you clip up and put into a hot tea or something like that what do you got
1: so right right now not that is growing just yet even though um we started a bunch of stuff growing in the backyard over at Kylie's. I mean, Kylie started and I just try to help out do whatever she tells me. So there's like a bunch of water it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: move this here, (laughs) put that there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like go clip this. She has like a super green thumb. So, but, um, yeah, a a, a few things that you, that I was kind of sending to you are things that like I learned being plant-based and, a lot, most of the stuff I had no clue about. So one of them is, is Moringa, which is like one of the most powerful superfoods on the planet. And like actually in Florida, it it grows in Florida and you can just pull it right off of the, um, branch and consume it. But an easy way to just mix it into like smoothies and stuff like that. Um, a lot of, I, I Actually, one time I had a member of my gym had Moringa trees. So he pulled up to the gym with like all this Moringa in the back of, in the bed of his truck. And people, are, I'm over there with Ziploc bags, like just ripping Moringa leaves off. And people are like, what are you doing? And when I told people, listen, everybody's just started grabbing Moringa and putting it in the back of their <laughs> car. So it's like, it's like one of the most powerful superfoods on the planet, basically. Um, another thing is like uh, kind of like a golden, like milk or like golden Drink, you don't have to put milk in, it's a little bit better tolerable with it. But basically, it's like turmeric, Himalayan salt, lime. Um, and you can put a couple other things, just mineral dense stuff. But it's an easy way for you to just get a bunch of nutrients in your body. Um, it also helps like stage off cravings, it's good to have like when you're fasting. Sea moss is another one because that has like 92 trace minerals and like vitamins, and it's. It looks like it's like an applesauce kind of, and it doesn't really have a flavor. So, again, you can mix it in smoothies. You can mix it into, you know, coffee even. People do that. And you can find it a lot at, like, farmers markets and locally. And then uh, another one is, like, maca root because maca root, it gives, like, it's – it increases blood flow. It's like a natural pre-workout, but not in the sense of like, you know, of course getting the caffeine and stuff. So like, even when you're sick, a lot of times we get stagnant. So if you can take in that maca root, it's going to help increase your blood flow, you know, and of course all that's aiding in in recovery. And then I always say the last two things is like get in calories. Because most people, you know, they don't want to eat when they don't feel well. So you don't eat, you don't really drink, and then you're laying down, you're stagnant, you know, so I'm always forcing calories down. I make smoothies. I try to have like make the densest foods that I can have, like force myself to eat, force myself to hydrate. Just because I know that, you know, your body doesn't the whatever you're sick with, the bacteria that you're sick with, the the sickness, it doesn't want you to get those things, you know. So um, and then, of course, sleep. But that's super hard for you because, again, you're like sick. Meanwhile, the whole family's over here doing their thing. You know what I mean? Well, that was the worst part, like leading up to it. I
0: think ultimately why I got sick was because my girls were sick. I was up so much. So I know like my sleep and my routine was down and that ultimately was going to cause like my uh, systems to go down as far as like not being able to fight off sickness and my immunity and things like that. And So when I look at this whole thing and I start thinking about, man, you know, how can I make sure this doesn't happen again? I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that with kids just because they go to daycare and so they'll be bringing stuff home. But, um, I did put a poll up on my social media and I was asking people, you know, how long do you wait before you go to the doctor? (laughs) Do you go immediately? (laughs) Do you do it when you're crawling out of the deathbed? Do you, would you rather die than go to the doctor or before you even get sick? And it was, it was pretty strong. 61% said, crawling out of my deathbed, which that's usually how I am. Like, I have to get to a point where right. I'm like, okay, I am 100% sick. I need to go to the doctor. Um, I was a little surprised by the 30% I'd rather die. I mean, at some point, like,
1: like what, bro? you
0: just got to suck it up and go to the doctor, you know? And I got on those antibiotics. You were talking about food and stuff. See, mine would kind of come in little waves. And so anytime like, my throat didn't hurt or I felt hungry, bro, I would just go in the kitchen. I would just start eating as much as I could as fast as I could because I knew within an hour, my throat was going to be all raw again. and It was going to be hurting, but I could, you know, with cough that's drops smart. or whatever, it was like, Hey, it doesn't hurt right now. Quick. Chug as much water as I can eat as much. You know, I, I ate a lot of sandwiches and soup. Like I would dip the sandwiches in soup because of the carbs. Oh, that's smart. With, with Get those nutrients from the soup too. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I went that route a lot, but, um, I do have a couple funny stories about being sick. I wanted to share just really quick. Um, I'll, One of them was from me when I was a kid. And I'll share one about my daughter, Rain, when she was sick. But one time in high school, I got the flu. And I was laying in my bed. And I woke up in the middle of the night drenched in sweat. And, like, I had to puke. Like, I'm talking I had seconds before I had to puke. And my bathroom for at that time in my life was, like, way down the hall. Like, there was no way I was making it. So I quickly grabbed. I had, like, a bowl. I probably ate cereal or ice cream or something. I had a bowl next to my bed. So I grabbed the bowl. Let it rip in the bowl. Then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna puke again. So I like try to wait a second. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to get up. I'm gonna make my way to the bathroom so I can, so I can take care of this. Bro, it happened again. So I grab a cup. I had a cup next to me, filled that cup up. And I'm like panicking. At this point, every time I try to get up, I'm puking. I call my mom. This is back when like cell phones just were coming alive. I call my mom from bedroom to bedroom and I say, Hey, mom, like, I need you to come help me. You know what she says? Are you drunk? Like, no, I'm not drunk, mom. Uh, I mean, I'm granted, I'm like 16, 17 years old. Like, no, like I literally cannot get out of this bedroom without puking. Like, I need you to bring me a trash can or something so I can make my way to the bathroom so I can finish this thing off. And so anyways, that's, the, my, that's my story with my mom. She, and then she loved telling everybody how I called her from my room to her room to come get me. But I didn't have a choice, bro. I, w- I was in survival mode. Next thing I'm going to share is about if you have kids, you're going to, you guys are going to be under understanding this. So my sweet little daughter one time was she had the flu. She was sick and she kept saying, daddy, my tummy hurts. My tummy hurts. So I'm holding her. I'm trying to be a good dad, patting her back, you know, telling her I love her all this stuff, bro. All of a sudden I just feel this warm, thick liquid running down my back and rain had let one rip and just puked all down the back of me. Like, I'm talking, it had to be like a gallon worth of throw up all down the back of my shirt, on my neck, on my shoulder. And I am like trying to hold it together. So I don't start puking everywhere. And I immediately just start yelling for my wife. I'm like, Nicole, Nicole, code red, code red. And she's like, what, what, what? She comes in and she just sees vomit all over me. She grabs rain, takes her off. And I'm just like, like gagging, trying to get this shirt off as fast as possible, wiping <laughs> it up every, every which way I can. and. Uh, Anyways, that was a tough 24 hours. Patting that little, she was like two years old at the time, So tiny, bro. And her whole yeah. body would convulse and she would just let it rip into the toilet. I felt so bad for her. But man, you, you ain't, welcome to parenthood when a kid just pukes all over your back. That, that That's.
1: <laughs> yeah, bro. The The throw up thing I think is so interesting just in general, like not just with kids because some people, like you got throw up on you. So I feel like that's a little bit different. But some people just like, you know, are you one of those people, too, to where, like, you see someone throw up and you're like, absolutely not. I cannot take this. Or is that a little different for you, first off? No,
0: puking doesn't really bother me. Like, I think until it was
1: right. on yeah. me, that's when I was like, okay, now this is really gross. <laughs> and it, and it's not just a little bit. Because, like, I grew up... Uh, it's funny. I tell even, you know, with like coaching the kids or, you know, whenever somebody has a baby or whatever, you know, when the baby's crying, you know, family or friends are always like, I'm so sorry. I'm, which I always think is weird B because like, it's a baby. The baby can't talk. The only thing it can do to communicate is cry, is cry <laughs> and mimic you as much as it. Why are you upset that this baby's crying? He's trying to tell you it needs there's something that it needs. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my mom had a, you know, God rest her soul. She, she ran daycares growing up um, on military bases. So at our house. So we had kids that would live with us sometimes for three months, six months. Cause you know, parents are gone away, you know, at war yeah. or, you know, PCS somewhere for training. Um, so I, it never bothered me the crying and the throw up. I seen it right. so much, you know what I mean? But I think it's different when you're talking that level of throw up. And it's on you. Okay, if it was on you and it didn't have the throw up smell, that might be different. It's on you. It's the throw up smell, and you're talking about like just being covered in it. Yeah, I, I can I can And only it was imagine, like a kid's bro. diet. That's, that's so hilarious. it was like
0: peanut butter and jelly and uh goldfish <laughs> crackers and things like that. Like the smell was it was nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing to be reckoned with at all. But the cool thing about kids, bro, is they that's make fun. it crazier and they make it better. So like in that scenario it was crazier, yeah. but when I was feeling sick and I was on my deathbed, I had two beautiful little girls that were coming up to my bed. Daddy, are you okay? Come on, can man. can I do anything? I had my little daughter was trying to pat my back Stop. one day. She was just coming up and pat. Stop my back. it! She's like, I want you to feel better, Daddy. That's I great, want bro. you to feel be- feel better. So, kids make everything crazier, but they also make it better. All right, Marcus. Here we go. The marathon.
1: Here we go, y'all. Buckle the
0: marathon. Up. Has come to the end. We're on the final lap of the Boston Celtics playoff run. Unfortunately, last night, Boston Celtics went down 0-3 to the Miami Heat in really an embarrassing fashion. The current situation's not looking good down there in South Florida. Um, One game left in Miami before heading back to Boston.
1: Last night was pretty rough, bro. It was pretty rough. It's very interesting to see. I was saying this about the Lakers, and we'll get to the Lakers here soon. Obviously, things not looking good for them, same situation. But what we did say is that some teams are better built for the playoffs, and they're not built for the glitz and glam of the regular season. I would have said that for the Bo- – ball. I, I don't know if you can say about, about the Boston Celtics because they were built for everything before. They were doing great in a regular season and doing great, so I wouldn't say that about them. But for the Heat, I would say that they are a team that mentally, like every single day in their organization, every interaction you have from social media people to the people in the lunchroom to – you feel me? That culture of like tenacity – I feel like that's what the Miami Heat have, and because of that, like the Lakers, right, with that roster they had, I was like, man, let's see what happens when they get in the playoffs. I think they're going to have some success. I did not see this coming, and just because you're a Boston Celtics fan doesn't mean, because, you know, I disagree with you. We disagree on stuff, too, you know? But I did, I mean, I love the way the Celtics play, and I did believe that they could go and handle business like they have been the last, man- the Heat just look like they're very much this is the way I would describe it. They are very 305 right now.
0: Bro, I'm gonna toot my own horn. I called this when we did our NBA playoff preview. What was one of the first things I said? Yeah, you did. I said yeah, the best did. thing that happened to the Boston Celtics is that they were able to avoid the Miami Heat. Because I knew this was going to happen. If you watched, I didn't I didn't watch all 82 or 72 games. I probably watched 50 or 40 of them. If you watched that this season, you watched how last season actually panned out where Jimmy Butler was one shot away. I knew this was coming. It was like the mm-hmm. train wreck that I couldn't stop. And I knew once they beat the Bucks, I knew they were going to beat either the Knicks or the Cavs. I knew it. And it was it was just a a direct line going to Miami, and I told you that that is the one team I do not want to see. And this is exactly why. Because there is something to be said about a team that knows they can beat the other team. And I feel like with the Celtics, we saw that in the 76ers series. where, where The 76ers never believed that they could actually beat the Celtics. Even when they were up 3-2, they didn't really believe that they could beat the Celtics. And ultimately, the Celtics won the last two.
1: Can I give a little thought on the, Celt- on the Sixers? The they way, gone. They're at me. home. But
0: yeah, go so ahead. So I
1: think that... Yeah, yeah. So I so going back to that, and cause this is a part of I think why Jimmy Butler is the monster that he is. Going back to that um series, what was that against the Raptors? When Kawhi hit that shot, boop, boop. One that's a part of the reason that I believe Jimmy Butler, cause the intestinal fortitude that he has, like the like just how mentally tough he is, comes from having those pitfalls, right? And also, I don't think the Sixers ever recovered because they knew, they knew, they knew that that was their best chance. With LeBron gone and the East kind of wide open, that was their best yep. chance. That's We're going to touch on Jimmy Butler
0: that. here in a minute. I got, I got a clip loaded about old Jimmy. Um, tons of respect to that dude. But ultimately, you know, when we look at the series as a whole – You know, when we start thinking about all the factors that contributed to, you know, this O three 3 deficit they're in right now, like the list is long. Um, The most frustrating thing I'll say for me is it's been really hard to watch even last season as well. And and Missoula, we're going to we're going to talk about him too, the coach. But Missoula was there last year and he saw that seven game series. He saw who the Heat are. the, The roster isn't that different than last year. And what's been so frustrating this year, once again, is this team does the exact same thing. I saw Jimmy Butler hit that corner jumper over and over and oh I'm like, yo, that is his like one move. And yes, he's unstoppable in it, but it's like, yo, y'all haven't found any adjustments. And I'm so sick of watching Matt Struess and freaking... Matt bro, Struce, bro. I, I sent a picture to my buddies the other day, and it was uh, you know, the, the three cats from Miami, Struess, Martin, and Vincent. And I sh- I sent it to my buddies the other day. And, and I sent a picture of Clay, uh, Steph Curry, and KD. Like these dudes turn into those three whenever we play them. They shot sixty percent from the three point line last night. Sixty. Bro, it felt like every time they were shooting it was going in, but like I said, the most frustrating part is we, we're going to start diving into this here now, but most frustrating part was sitting there for three games, bro. And I've seen the same book, the same chapters, the same sentences Mm. over and over and over. And so, you know, one of the topics I want to touch on is the team morale. I mean, it can't be good. I think you're starting to see, you know, Jalen Brown, we touched on it at times, his up and downs this season with the, the franchise as a whole. The way they were treating him, um, some of the, the conversation that was happening with him um, in the trade rumors and things like that. I think you're starting to see a little bit of that come to the surface now with his chippiness after after the games and during the interviews and stuff like that. I think the Grant Williams thing is a whole nother deal. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Um, I think that there's some guys Oof. now looking around that room at other guys in different ways, including Marcus Smart as well. I think there's some guys in that room starting to look at him like, what What are you doing?
1: Um, Well, let, let's dig into that for a second. Why do you think that? Because I know with Marcus Smart, it's kind of like a love-hate thing. It's like love him when he plays and does the stuff we need. And when he doesn't, you kind of feel like he's not close to, valuable on the team really he's almost a detriment so, so let, tell let me a little bit here's about the that. thing bro i know you love this dude you love
0: you love marcus smart you told me about it you, yeah you went on this podcast i love the toughness and you said yeah every team needs a marcus smart yep yep bro you don't watch you don't watch 70 games of him bro. Mm-hmm. i feel you i watch 70 games of him and he does so much stuff that causes detriment to the team and i'm talking like Bro, last night he caught a lob and just chucked it at the basket and flopped. Like he was trying to get a call. And you can just see the other four guys looking at him like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah, I saw that. Then you, then you fast forward a little bit into the game. He gets a technical because he's arguing about a basket that went in. It's like he does things that I think actually end up being more detrimental to the chemistry of the team, to the flow of the game. You know, all the flopping and the, the doing the stupid stuff. Like, it's gotten to a point, I think, with a lot of those guys where they're over it. And it was cool when he was the defensive player of the year and he was locking dudes up. Look at every series. He couldn't guard James Harden, bro. Like, James Harden's 36 years old. And he was dropping 40, multiple games. And Marcus Smart didn't do anything about it. And that's where I think his value as a Celtics fan, we're going to talk about adjustments later. But, like, we got to cash out on that cat now. Because defensive players like him, they don't get better. It's only going to keep getting worse. It's like the lockdown cornerback that was never getting beat. Like, look at somebody like Revis, right? He came to the Pats. He was nice. Next thing you know, dang, that guy got 100 on him. Dang, he gave up two touchdowns. Dang. And it's just like it starts racking up. And I'm seeing that with, with Marcus. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know the whole story. But this is not the same Marcus Smart we had last year. And then the problem with Marcus Smart is he – I think he thinks that he's better than what he is. I think he thinks he's one of the top three guys. And so he's taken threes last night that I'm just like, bro, he takes the first shot of every game. It never fails. And there's just so many opportunities. that I think he could help the team, but instead he lets it, he gets in his own way and he tries to be that guy or he tries to do things that just aren't in his skill set. And I think ultimately the guys and the team as a whole are just kind of over it and, and they're trying to trying to figure out what's
1: next. Hmm. So I got, I got two, there's a, two-part question, all right? The the first part is adjustments and strategies, and the second is like, player performances that we'll dig into. But, like, what adjustments do you think can help turn this series around for them, part one?
0: Well, it was weird. You know, they started with the lineup. We talked about that, I think, on one of our shows that, you know, they finally put Big Rob in the starting lineup. Well, then what did, what did they do last night? They pulled him out. And, and I'm just... I don't understand the inconsistencies from a coaching basis of the whole reason you made that switch in the six-year series was because it boosted the morale of the team. They ended up obviously playing better because they won the next two games, which ultimately brought them into this series. But now you're, you're taking it back. You're not, you're not putting your shoulder against it and putting more effort into it. I think that from an adjustment standpoint, like, that was It was like we went backwards. We went forward in the, in the sense that we put Rob back in the starting lineup, but then we went backwards in the sense of, no, we're actually not going to do that. We're going to go this other route, which is even crazier because if you look at all the highlights from game two, when we were killing them, it was because Big Rob and Jason Tatum were running a pick and roll at the top. It wasn't Al Horford. It wasn't Derek White. It was Tatum and Big Rob. Big Rob didn't miss a shot for the first whatever three and a half games of this series. He finally missed one last night. It was like the first time he was like 14 for 14. And so I think it was like as an adjustment, it was actually a step back from a strategy standpoint. How do you not adjust your strategy on Jimmy Butler? And if you do adjust your strategy, I did see they tried to trap a little bit last night and do some different things there. But even then, like then you, then they weren't prepared for the pass out of it. So then they were just shooting wide open threes. And so it was like, that adjustment in the strategy was like it kind of made sense but it wasn't coached right because then jimmy was just sitting there picking them apart and we had all those guys i just mentioned struce martin vincent hitting wide open threes and you got duncan robinson as well these guys are all i've been watching these guys for three years shoot these threes and make them and i'm just i'm blown away that like there's been no adjustments
1: yeah bro you're in the
0: nba yeah, you're in the NBA. You can make an open. Ninety th- percent of these
1: guys can make an open three, bro. Except Russell and Those guys were wide open last night. So, would you, uh, as far as coaching decisions, would you say that decision with Big Rob is one that stands out the most to you right now, or, or is there is there another one? Outside of like, you know, not making any adjustments, which I kind of I, I don't know how I feel about the adjustment side of it, because we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. We'll talk about it when we get there. But would you say, you know, that stands out the most?
0: Yeah, I look at the coach on the other side. I mean, look at what sports done, right? He kept switching to a zone. He he finds the weaknesses that his team has and he does everything he can to hide it. The Celtics have weaknesses, but instead of trying to hide them the coach never makes really any adjustments. And so they just stay there. And so then it gives a team like Miami who has some dogs on him, who has a good coaching staff that can say, Hey, this is the weaknesses they have. They're not going to try and hide them. Just go for those weaknesses because if we can beat their weaknesses, we're going to beat them. And that's what's happened over and over and over. And so I think, I think Maz honestly, was over his head. And I think the whole franchise now is realizing that, you know, we had, multiple coaches that left the assistant staff whether it was at the beginning of the year and now even in the middle of the year when damon stottermeyer left so his his backups left and bro he's younger than me so he's not even a he's like a kind of a grown man but not like a grown ass man trying to lead these men and i think they're just looking at him like bro who are like you're just some backup assistant coach and and we could touch on that just for two seconds. The Udoka thing really screwed everything up because that, if you remember that didn't go down till right before the season. So the Celtics had to make a choice like with a week before the season was about to start, they didn't have an opportunity to shop coaches or to find other people. It was like, Hey, Udoka's got to go, uh, you, you take the team, go ahead. Now I will say the mistake we made is we extended him after we gave him the job, which We could probably save that for another day, but this man went from a second row assistant coach to now he's the guy. And even last night they interviewed him. He's like, it's my fault. I didn't have the guys ready. I didn't have him the right mindset. You're damn right. Like, I hope you take it, but now you're going to take it because now you're going to have to go because I'm assuming that the leadership in the Celtics organization isn't going to put up with that. Like they did cool, buddy, you took you took the chip for the team, but I think he's in over his head, and I think everybody knows it.
1: I had high hopes for him, and I still think that he's done a great job this season considering my boy didn't even have, like, when did he get injected as knowing, yo, this guy's going to be the head coach, and he, you, you know, because it's like he didn't have a full off season to prepare and get his draft. I mean, of course, they were, like, doing some contingency plan stuff, and maybe he was alerted by the Celtics, like, yo, bro, this is going to happen. You need to go ahead and get ready. I feel like he was at a deficit because he didn't really have that time and he was thrust into the fire and he's done a great job. The only problem is doing a great job is not the standard of excellence that's set with the Celtics as an organization, nor is it the current, is it currently okay because how hard y'all fought after the big three left to build things up again and stay. And now it's like it's paying off with these guys, you know, getting or about to get super max contracts all the pieces are there. You've had the you've been this close so many times. So I feel like he's kind of getting the 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 short end of the stick, but this is what happens when when the standard of excellence is is that high,
0: you know? And I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, the regular season and playoffs are very different. You know that. The the game mm-hmm. completely changes. And I think in the regular season he got away with a lot of it just because we had so much talent. When it truly came to Xs and Os, Bro, you look at the four coaches that are left. Like he's he's getting picked last. I would even say when when there was mm-hmm. eight teams left, he was the eighth coach that was getting picked. I don't think he's known for his X and O's. I don't think he's known for his skill set as far as play running, and he's definitely not known for calling timeouts. I know that much because during the third quarter the other night, forty point run, and there wasn't one timeout call. And so I think that mm-hmm. uh, he is going to get a, br- uh, a blunt of it and i think that it's kind of justified to be completely honest because it's just it was so so bad how no adjustments were made three games in a row these this the Miami Heat team was doing the exact same exact same thing over and over and over and over yeah man but it's also on the players too because if you look at the player performances across the whole series you know, one of the things I said leading into this series a couple weeks ago was Jason Brown or Jalen Brown. Finally, an all all NBA guy. He's going to get his max contract. We can sign him for life.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Mm. We're going to pay that man three hundred thousand dollars, three hundred million dollars. Two hundred and seventy five million dollars. We're going to pay him to not be able to dribble, to not be able to play defense. Bro, when you, when you're called all NBA, he was an all NBA second team, all NBA. That means he's one of the top 10 players in the NBA. Bro, that man was nowhere to be found. Jalen Brown was hiding behind his mask. He was nowhere to be found. Yeah. And I just can't believe. I can't see us spending the money. What do we talk about? It's almost $600 million to keep those two together. I think we have a clone issue. I think. Tatum and Ooh. Brown are too much alike. They have the same skill set. i been
1: thinking this and I never said it. And you just said it in a way that's, yeah, like it's, it is. It's It's a, what, what did you call it again?
0: We have a clone issue. So we have two clones in Tatum and Brown. We also have clones in White and Brogdon. White and Brogdon bring the same exact game to the floor. And so what happens when we make adjustments and we do substitutions the flow of the game doesn't change. It stays the exact same. Mm -hmm. I think about the glory Celtics days, right? So when they'd be running with Rondo, they ran a certain style of offense. Then Eddie House would come in and he would bring a change of tempo. You even go just a couple years ago back when we had Kyrie and all that.
1: Shout
0: out Eddie House, my man. Hey, that number 5-0, when that ball was leaving those hands, it was going in, baby. Tall socks (laughs) and all, let's go. Um, But then you even look at the Celtics a couple years ago when they would bring in like a Rozier or they would bring in Russ soul, Kyrie Irving, it was different. It was different tempos. It was different styles of play. We have four guys that are two clones of each other. And so when they make those substitutions, nothing actually changes. So if it's going bad, it's just going to keep going bad because those guys aren't going to change the tempo. They're not going to change the way they play. They're not going to do anything different. And then if you start looking at the bigs, Al Horford is old, man. And, and I think it eventually did catch him in this series. I think he did a good job with Embiid. I told you how proud I was of him. But you put him up against a bam out of bio, bro. That man was just dunking last night, catching lobs. And I just don't think athletically he can hang at the same level uh, that somebody else could. And then you look at Rob. Rob's got his his deficiencies as well. He can't shoot. I mean, he can rebound, block shots. He can do some of that stuff. But he's not any kind of offensive threat whatsoever. And then, um, as you kind of keep ripping through the roster, I, I did want to touch on the the Grant Williams. You know, he's going to get all that slack for waking up Jimmy Butler and, and and poking the bear and blah 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 blah. How do you feel about that? Yeah, hey, at least he fought, man.
1: That's what I at feel. least he was. Fighting. I have no. Pro- he said it. He's like, hey, I talk. You know what I mean? You have to. I was taught that you got to take it. I'm not going to run away from it. But I'm he's he's competing like. That's he all I wanted to team. see.
0: That's all I wanted to see is our guys compete. And so, like, hey, we're down 03. They weren't competing last night. At least in game two, there was some chippiness. There was some barking. There was, we're here. No, we're not backing down. Where was that last night? There was none of it. Now, granted, we're down 02 now, 03. So I think time and place does matter. But I think he wasn't, he was never in the wrong for what he did. He was playing hard. He actually did make good plays. The reason we lost that game, which is, this is what kind of goes back to my point I was just making a second ago, is Jalen Brown played two of the worst games of his career the last two games. And so everybody wanted to blame Grant Williams and Grant in game two, which took the shade off of Jalen Brown. Mm. Bro, this is the third, fourth year in a row I've watched this dude can't dribble. How do you drive and you're just falling? You can't hold on to the ball. So you, go, you run into a team like the Heat, and they're immediately immediately going to attack every time you put the ball on the ground. I know Jimmy Butler is telling those guys in the huddle, the second he dribbles, attacking, he's
1: going to drop it. He'll lose it. And sure enough, that's what happened. Interesting stat about Jalen Brown against the Miami Heat in his career. Oh, Lord, this is going to hurt. Average six, average 16.8 points, 4.9 rebounds to assists. So that's, I'm pretty sure... That if I were to look, yeah, this season, his regular season stats, 26.9 points, 6.9 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 49.1 field goal percentage. His points are ninth in the league. His rebounds, 39th. But I'm cool with that. I mean, when you're getting around seven rebounds a game, I don't care. Um, And then assists were 71st. But again, like, he's not a point guard. So that right there plays into exactly what you were talking about when it's like you need him the most right now. And I would say in this series, that's not even his average. In this series, it's it's much lower than that.
0: <laughs> I think he had under 10 points and almost close to like double-digit turnovers. I can't, yeah. I can't pay a man $275 million when you can't perform, bro. And think of all the other players we could get with $300 million. Like, that's what I think about like you want to build the team around Tatum, which I think they should do, you're going to need that 275 to go pick some quality dudes up that can play defense and that can fight and that can battle. Last thing I'll say about the uh, player performances before we move on, I got to touch on it one more time. And then I'm going to let you bat for Marcus one last time. But I was texting my uncle and my cousin last night at halftime. I said, we have to trade him. He has to go. And we talked a little bit about it. This man tried to catch a lob, threw it at the basket, flailed down, (laughs) flipped on the ground, was trying to get a foul. And other four guys on the court stood there and looked at him like, bro, what are you doing? And then they drove down and got a dunk. It's like, what are we doing? And then, you know, we're quote-unquote battling, and, and Marcus Smart gets a technical foul after the dude made a shot. Those are things that, like, I see when I watch those regular season games, he does that crap all year long
1: he does do that yeah
0: i'm telling you bro it doesn't help the team it does not help the team it hurts the team it hurts the morale it hurts the tempo it, it hurts everything that they're doing and i think that his shooting his playmaking there's other guys in the league that can do what he can do and if he's not going to be the
1: defensive stopper that he once was i think it's time to move on one so so two things before we move on to the next to the next topic but For Marcus Smart, I think that you said something that was super interesting. It's very, I I do agree with you. I hadn't really thought about that. But defensive players, especially smaller defensive players, so we're we're talking about guys that are not 6'10", 6'11", 7 foot, it's going to be hard for them to continue to keep up that level of defense. If Now, if you were to tell me he was still going to be like an all-NBA defensive player, I think that could be possible, but I still think that it's from the looks of things with his performance diminishing over the years, potentially that could be what's on the horizon. Also, I think what you're feeling with Marcus Smart is just kind of fed up and it might just be time for a change because those things are not getting us to the promised land. And now we're down 03. And the things that you were doing, you know, when y'all are winning series get looked over when you're not winning series. Number one. Point number two. So Jalen Brown's playoff stats, last thing to touch on before before we move on. Uh, He's averaged like 23.5 points a game in these playoffs. 7.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists. That was, um, this says Jalen Brown playoff stats, but I think that was, oh, that's, yeah, that was before playing the Miami Heat. So since playing the Miami Heat, 12-6-2, 16-4-3, that gives you an average of about 14 points five rebounds two and a half, two and a half assists so just a little update and like you're saying we want to pay you this super max money that we're or you want us to pay you that the celtics don't want to pay anybody um and it's a part of the culture that they've built with being able to farm talent and develop players so i i just think you hit you hit a lot of that stuff like nail on the head. Cause you're right. I don't watch them for 70 games. They're on TV a lot. So I watch all the, you know, when the games are on TV, I watch them, but you just, I can't, I can't argue with that, man. The problem is, is the offense because they're clones,
0: Jalen and Jason is, it's a lot of stand and watch those two guys cook. And when it's working, it's a beautiful thing and everybody loves it, but neither of those two guys make the team better. They don't make the guys around them better. I think they can both step up when the time be, especially Tatum, as we saw in game seven. But you look at Jimmy Butler, he's I'm not even going to talk about, you know, none of these guys were drafted, blah, blah, blah. That dude just makes everybody better. It's what Jordan was always known for. He makes everybody better. These two cats just don't have that quality. And so we have to find guys that can provide that own version of that. Because Jason is Jason or Jalen are not going to provide that for them. If you watch Jimmy Butler, will start the game off hot, but his sole goal for the first three quarters is how can I get everybody else involved? How can I get them making shots? How can I get them comfortable? You get in the fourth quarter, then it's Jimmy time. All right. Y'all are good. Now, now I know I could depend on y'all, but I'm going to take it from here with these guys. It's like, if they don't have it, then they don't have it. And the team's done. And so like last night, Jalen started off nice, but then as the game progressed, it quickly went south, and those guys were done. So that we, then we were just done. There was no there's nothing else that could happen. And so it's tough, bro. 0-3, it hurts. I did not see 03. I I did think we would lose this series. O three, no. I did not absolutely see not. I did not see us losing the first two at home. First one, I, I totally understood. I thought we'd bounce back in game two, but if I was a betting man last night, I would have not bet the Celtics. I have not seen one thing in this series that's made me think we could win a game.
1: It's funny because I, again, I always don't, I don't really ever like betting against the Celtics just because of what I've seen from them in the last, you know what I'm saying? Few years, five years, seven years. But I will say that after going down. Oh two, I was like, that was when exactly like you said, I wouldn't have picked them in game three. Um, speaking of historical comebacks. I did want to highlight a few of them because you know what? It's not over till it's over. Goonie, what is it? Goonies never say die or Goonies never say never. Um, so, uh, just to, you know, put a little light on this, right? A little hope. So three NBA teams have evened a series after being down 03, unfortunately, only to lose in game seven. So all three teams were the visiting team um, in a game seven. And to date, there has been no successful comeback from an 0-3 series deficit nuggets overcame o2 um, in a best of five series, um, in a previous round. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's not, no one's ever done it. So it's a great chance for the historical great, you know, summon the, the powers of the Celtics, you know what I'm saying? Past and, and Figure it out. I I think you guys have the talent to do it. I just think mentally, when you're in this type of place and guys aren't, because it's not even like, yo, we're just a couple shots away. Like, yo, the ball just hasn't been dropping, but we're getting good shots. We're taking good care of the ball. Or it's like, hey, guys, we just got to take better care of the ball. Because you're always trying to find like that one avenue. You know, with the kids, you know, coaching AAU, it's kind of like, I'm looking for one positive that we can pull from and if there's a bunch of things where it's like guys we turn the ball over unforced we miss layups unforced hey that is like okay yeah like if we just but in this scenario it's a lot to deal with and I think it's kind of like the coaches just gotta rally the troops give some inspirational stuff guys need to have some flu game like performances play lockdown defense that's asking a lot right four four games to make it out of this series but let me ask you this like what do you think the outlook is of this series what do you see you know like you think it's possible i mean i know you want to always have optimism but you're a real fan and you do speak from like what you actually see and you don't speak like a fantastical world you know like sometimes fans are like especially in football like, bro, oh, you guys know that was a pass interference. If, if it's my team, I'm like, yo, that was a pass interference. I'm not – you know how some people are like, what do you call – like, dude literally grabbed his face mask, pulled him to the ground, stepped on him, and then made an interception. What are we doing? But you're a realistic fan. You know the game well. What do you see as the outlook?
0: I hope we get swept. I hope it's just over and we could just end it and move on. But I think back to 2004 – When the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees played in the playoffs and the Yankees went up 3-0 and the comeback kids came back. It's really, I think, the only time a seven-game series has actually been won. It wasn't in basketball. It was in baseball. So it was a Boston team. I remember being at my cousin's house watching the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. And it was 28-3 or whatever, and everybody said it's over. It would would be the biggest comeback ever. It's not going to happen. We all know how that went down. So, not only do we have proof that it can be done, but it's two Boston teams that have done it. So, I don't see it, but Mm -hmm. there is a glisten of hope. Um, There's always a glisten of hope. I will be very curious with the way things went down last night. If these guys even try to bounce back in any way, shape or form, I will be very interested to see if there's any fight left in them. Cause last night there was, there was no fight by the, by halfway through the second quarter, I knew the game was over. And that was even before they started blowing us out. So um, it can happen. It has happened in Boston. I don't see it here. I, I really don't. And so, Then we start thinking about the overall perspective as a fan, right? Like, okay, now what do we do? And that's what's going to be all over the talk shows, I'm sure, today and the next couple days, especially as we get eliminated. And we are going to touch on the Lakers real quick here in part two here in just a second, but it's a completely different scenario there. They don't have the young team. This isn't their almost fifth year in a row going to the Eastern Conference finals. We went to the finals that one year. So – I think it's truthfully come to the point you touched on it with Marcus smart. I think it's worn out. It's welcome in a lot of different ways. I think it's starting to become a realization of the fan base that maybe this isn't the team. This isn't the core that can actually win a championship. I think it's a team that can have the best record in the regular season. I think it can make a playoff push, but ultimately they still lack what is ultimately needed to be a, a championship team. And so, From a fan's perspective, I'm assuming most of us are looking around going, it's time for a change. And I'm sure everyone will have different ideas of what that change could perspectively be, whether it's moving on from Jalen Brown, whether it's moving on from Marcus Smart. I'll be curious to see what happens with guys like Al Horford. I think that we do still have guys that have a ton of value. I think that if we wanted to move on from Brogdon or White, there'd be lots of value that we could get from those guys. I think same with Marcus Smart. I even heard Rob Williams' name brought up a lot. If it was me, the two guys I want more than anything, obviously, is Tatum and Rob Williams. I think those two guys, I think Rob's skill set is hard to find. and, And he has shown when he's healthy, he is a true force on the defensive end, at the rim, there's always going to be bigs I we're going to need a body to go up against. I do think we need more bigs.
1: We I love need more
0: bigs. We can't just do it with Rob. I think that's very proven, but I think his ability to, to play at a high level is something that we have to keep a hold of. So to me, I think it's time to move on from definitely from Marcus smart and probably Jalen Brown, um, Grant Williams. It kind of seems like he's potentially worn out his welcome as well, because just kind of the way things have went down the last couple of years, even though this man did believe it or not. uh, People have such a short memory. This man did win us the game seven last year against the bucks. Like he was the reason he made all those threes. He was the reason that we ultimately got to the next stage. And so it's just funny how fan bases have such a short memory, but I don't mind grant. He's a good dude. Um, I think he just needs to be put in the right position. So,
1: Yeah, I agree. He's a solid, he's a solid player. He's a great contributor.
0: I think ultimately though, the, from a fan's perspective, like we're all starting to accept the fact that a change is coming, whatever that looks like. I think that there's no way they can run this back again. Like, I don't even think they can fire the coach, bring a new coach and say, all right, same exact group, run it back. I still think that there's just too much data that shows that they can't get to that next step and that they're missing missing some pieces there. I agree with you, man.
1: I think that uh I think it's just looking grim for them. It's kind of a somber mood in general and you guys kind of need a miracle to happen. Uh if we had to bring into final words on this, um, what are your parting words going into game four? Miami, just end it softly. End it gently. (laughs) Don't blow us out by 30
0: points again. Like put up a
1: good showing. Actually though, at the same
0: time, like there's something to be said about like just beat their ass and send them home. And then that way the Celtics have to make some adjustments. Where if like that's Ooh. kind of my worry, right? Is you say maniacal. we do Bro, say if we do come back, right? Say we even make it three three. It's like it brings hope that's not it's not real. Like that's what happened, I felt like in the A Sixers series. Like the Sixers should have beat us. The Sixers had us multiple times. They should have beat us. They just never did. And I feel like if, if the Heat won't, the Heat are going to put us out. They're, Jimmy Butler, he's he's a man on a mission. I did want to touch on him really quick. I saw a video this morning yeah. of him talking about um, his time with the Chicago Bulls when he first got drafted. And it was that team of like D-Rose and Boozer and Noah and all those guys. And he said he was at practice that first day. And he was like number 15, so like he never played. He was just sitting there watching. And he was like, bro, it was the first time I ever watched a team cuss each other out. And he was like, when guys were missing assignments, they were yelling at each other and they were getting after each other. And he was like, it was my first taste of that. He goes, I had never seen that before. And he goes, the second I saw it, I loved it. He's like, it just brought this fire in me that I just, I wanted it so bad. And like he's like, I could tell those guys wanted it so bad. And he was like, I just, I now know oh, no other way to play the game other than
1: keep people accountable. Competition and accountability.
0: And that's where, man, you just hear all those stories about the Celtics, how, they had to stop practice because they were jacking around too much and stuff like that. It's like, bro, that's why you need a, a Jimmy Butler, bro. That's why I'm not even going to come out against Denver. Everybody's going, Denver's got it. It's a wrap. Hey, be careful. Careful what you wish for because I don't know who's running around with Jimmy Butler. I don't know who's going to stop that man. And I know Joker is the real deal, but Bam Adebayo is the real deal too. So they got they got two bigs that are going to clash, but I'm looking at Caldwell Pope. Michael Porter Jr., you boys better figure it out because you're in for this. Is a different team. This is not the Lakers that are that are of old. So, speaking of the Lakers, let's I got, take a quick. Oh, you got some? Yep.
1: No, I was I was gonna say I, I saw Bam Adebayo in person in Miami. Got to see a lot of really great players at the Miami Pro Am. Impressive. Just half of his skill set, he doesn't even showcase in the NBA. If he needs to, he can do a lot of stuff and uh potent mix him and Jimmy. For sure.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll just dive quickly into the Lakers and Denver series. This episode is brought to you by driven nutrition, driven nutrition.net driven by excellence. When excellence becomes the tradition, greatness has no limits. When we say we are fueled by the excellence of our customers, affiliates, and athletes, we mean it. You are what makes Driven Nutrition. Without our community, we are nothing. Shop protein, pre-workout, aminos, and more by visiting drivennutrition.net and save by using discount code BROG at checkout. All right, we want a solid 45 minutes about the Boston Celtics. We'll give the uh, Western Conference uh, a 15-minute window here to wrap up the podcast because, you know, (laughs) <laughs> it's our show and you guys know how i get Just down i do right. not like to talk about it the is. lakers we get to pick whatever topics we want this would never be a topic that i want to pick but right i'm gonna let you talk a little bit about this because this i think okay if i remember right did you pick the nuggets and the lakers as part of like your big overall selection i was trying
1: to remember if the nuggets were one of your picks or if they were mine i was trying to remember too um well, I mean, we'll have to do a little amendment, you know, on the next episode, because I don't have it all pulled up in front of me. But I did like the Lakers' chance in the playoffs. And I did like the Nuggets just like at a much higher level because they've been winning at such a higher rate than the Lakers had been. And the Lakers kind of were in disarray before that trade and the trade, they look kind of good, but then LeBron's hurt, and it's like, you know, what's going to happen? Now you got Austin Reeves. They're talking about this guy. The Lakers are worried they're not going to be able to sign him because the max they can offer him is 50 mil, and they think he might be able to get 80-plus out on the market, which I highly I highly agree with. Yep. But um, so first things is, I guess, just evaluating the state of the Nuggets and Lakers series, you know, and just what we think of that matchup so far. Outmatched is the word that comes to mind. Uh, I'm trying to think of another word to break this down, but out of body for LeBron is what I would say. You know, people were getting on him about, you know, he went for the dunk and the ball slipped and they're like, Jordan would never, obviously everybody's missed dunks. Like Jordan's done it plenty of, you know, but that always is a big barometer for them. I saw that on Twitter. Somebody was, somebody said, yeah,
0: my king would or my Jordan would never do that. And then it was a clip. It's Jordan just
1: mad. Yeah, so like everyone, it's everyone it's misses happened. dunks. Everyone does that. Everybody does that. stuff. But I do think that LeBron is just not himself. And, you know, again, to be clear, like I do enjoy watching LeBron because of his passion for the game. There, there are a lot of things I don't like about him. And there are a lot of things that I think he does that brings unwanted attention to himself, some of which I think he does on purpose B, because he understands branding. And he understands attention is a currency, you know, but in general, I just love the way that he, that he plays the game. I think he does it the right way, but yeah, man, they're overmatched. LeBron is out of body. He's not performing the way that he normally does. I'm just not, you know, the ball getting stolen from him on last plays and not hitting the big shots And, and injury or not. Let's just, let's just be clear about this guys. Injury or not, does it matter if he's injured? It doesn't matter. We don't care about you being injured. Everyone is injured. We're not going to use that as an excuse, you know, and LeBron wouldn't want to use that though. I think at times he throws bullshit stuff out there, but what overall be, you know, what's your, what's your current evaluation of this series? Yeah. It's funny. You touched on the LeBron thing. Cause
0: it, uh, it brings back memories. And I always look at the Lakers in a specific microscope. You know, they're, they're the my least favorite franchise of all time. Anybody that I've ever run into that's a Lakers fan, I normally do not get along with them very well. Um, but it hurts my heart a little bit because I remember this with Kobe. And I remember how great Kobe was. And those last couple of years, I would get all fired up for the Lakers Celtics matchups. And, you know, bring on Kobe Bryant. This is what I've been waiting for. And and there at the end, bro, he just didn't look the same. And I'm, and I'm starting to feel that now with LeBron where it just hurts my heart a little bit. Because as a basketball fan and just as an adult, I start thinking, man, I'm getting old. This man's been, we were talking about it a couple weeks ago. This man's been in the league since I was in high school, bro. That's crazy to think about. And so then I start thinking about how old I am let alone how old he is and how bad he has to feel. But I'm just sitting here like, you know, the time's running out And, and, you know, I know he wants to play with his son and, you know, maybe he can revamp his career here towards the end. But, you know, you look at people like Kobe, you look at people like Dwayne Wade, shoot even MJ with the wizards. It just, it hurts to watch those guys go down like that. And so, uh, there's anything i will say it does i'll be honest it brings me a little joy to see the lakers get completely slapped but at the same time it does kind of hurt my heart a little bit to see you know father times undefeated and i think that now it's really going to start becoming a reality for lebron fans that this guy is no longer the same player that he always was and i'm not saying he's not he's not still a winning player and he can't contribute to a winning program and stuff like that but he's definitely in a different stage and and it just kind of hurts my heart. I also will say the nuggets have been slept on. And I think the Joker, as much as he doesn't play into the MVP and all that stuff, I think him not winning the MVP kind of made him and his team kind of go, okay, all right, watch because then you watch how Embiid ended up folding and what went down there as far as his, his collapse against the Celtics. I think, you're not going to see that from Joker. This man's going to bring it. And when they get to the finals, he's going to be averaging triple doubles. He's going to be doing everything he can to get that team uh, in a winning position. So I think either way uh, it's, it's a wrap. I think the, the Denver is going to take care of business just like the heat will. Um, But it does hurt my heart a little bit to see LeBron. It's just, we're just getting old, man. It's time. So. Is there any particular players that have stood out to you in this series, particularly um, against against the Lakers and the Nuggets? Is there some players that maybe you have caught your eye that you didn't expect? I know for me, Austin Reeves was definitely one of them. That dude's—he's gonna go get paid. He's not gonna be a Lakers. Oh, next year. yeah, yeah. Um, but is there anybody else that you look at that kind of uh, stood out to you as far as players
1: in this in this matchup? Yeah, you know. I I think that AD stood out but for uh for a couple of reasons. One, these playoffs seeing him uh seeing him play a little bit better kind of made me happy. You know, look, he hasn't had the most amazing games, but he has played better and been able to show up and I think people were speaking a little bit more about who Anthony Davis is versus the player that we used to know and I just like, you know, I me, mean? I like seeing guys win, you know what I'm saying? KCP Man, another guy, I, know, I feel like we talk about this all the time again, another guy that was inside the Lakers organization and no longer is there making a big difference for another team. Um,
0: Can I ask you a question really quick while you're on this?
1: Yeah, hit me, hit me. Do you think that LeBron makes people better? Yes, I do. But I do not believe that Just anyone, like any other player, Kobe's kind of the same way, is going to qualify for that because you have to be a certain type of player. I also think that he can hinder your growth because LeBron doesn't play. I mean, if, if LeBron doesn't get injured, we don't see Austin Reeves get those minutes. We don't see him start to develop that confidence we don't see him handling the ball because of how lebron plays now again i think that this is kind of where you see too how lebron is taking a step away from being on the ball one to preserve himself and you know giving opportunities to other guys to build because he's because he understands that he needs that but i do think that he does because if you watch lebron just by osmosis you should get better you should prepare better for games, you should take better care of your body, you should watch more, you should be learning how to analyze film better. Um and I think there's so much that you can take just from that that has nothing to do with like LeBron building you up. I do understand where you're going with that and I understand people who say yeah, I don't really see like LeBron's a bad teammate, he doesn't make I so I I get that.
0: And that's where I think Joker and Jimmy Butler have propelled their teams to where they're at. And I just glanced quickly at you know Caldwell Pope's last season with LA in comparison to Denver, and it's not like huge changes, but everything is up just a little bit. And that's what you need. You need those other four guys to be up just a little bit than what they were before. And we talked about with Tatum and Brown. I I don't think either of those guys hold that skill set. I think it's a very cherishable skill set I don't know if I would say LeBron I would say that Kobe didn't have it either I, I agree with you I think I don't e- I would even almost say Jordan I don't know he had it but it was different but I think Kobe and LeBron are actually a better comparison there because you either played how Kobe and LeBron played or you didn't There, there's nothing in between where I do feel like at times Jordan was able to adapt a little bit around the Steve Kerrs and the John Paxons and the Bill Wennington's and things like that. So I do think he probably made those guys better. But big picture, I think it's hard to be that great of a player and have that quality as well. And that's what I think makes Joker so special in this series where not only is he the best player, but he's also going to bring everybody up just a little bit more compared to what they were potentially on another team like Caldwell Polk.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you, man.
0: I want to ask you about Jamal Murray, though. Did you did you see this coming from Jamal Murray? I'll tell you this: I just remember those bubble games with him going against Donovan Mitchell, and that was some of the best basketball I have ever seen, bro. Just from two guys going back and forth at it. Did you see this coming after the injuries and and him making a full return? I think we have to touch on Jamal Murray
1: for sure. No, no, I didn't. I I know that the Nuggets are really good. You know they have been for some years, and you know Jamal Murray's finally back. Like, love to see that. But no, didn't think he was going to be this version. So he's the same exact version of himself from the bubble season when he got injured. I mean, wow. Like it never happened. Like it never happened. And, you know, as somebody who took that big L, you know, with my knee and going from, same. you know, yep. dropping. It, it's such a crazy thing. You know, one week um, dropping six three-pointers in a half. You know what I mean? And Tracy McGrady and his boys are dapping me up. Dunking putbacks over, you know what I'm saying, pro players at a, as a 36-year-old guy, 35-year-old guy. And then the next week, I can't walk. And I can't jog for two. for Bro, I almost cried. I told Jack. I, I jogged maybe three blocks really lightly. But it was like to feel that feeling again. So to see him, man, coming back from what he came back from and, you know, all the setbacks that come with, it's beautiful to see. But I didn't think that, man. I mean, this guy's playing out of, he's playing, like, I guess it's not out of body. You know what I mean? He's, he's playing well within his, this is what he's shown his body of work to actually be. But didn't expect it.
0: All right, so two more questions to wrap up this episode. One of them. Far-fetched, one of them, a reality. <laughs> if you had to pick the Celtics or the Lakers to come back from O three, 3 who are you picking
1: and why? Just off of who I think has a chance to come back in this series or come back from this series and win a championship. Just to come back from the O three. 3 I mean, the Celtics. They just got too many... They have too many pieces. Um, I'm always going to say it, young the young legs, even though the Lakers have a lot more of them, but the Lakers are going to depend on LeBron in the end. LeBron's going to have to be the one to hit the dagger. He's going to have to be the one to score 40, you know, 35, 45 points. And I don't think that he can do that right now with the looming injury from the foot, which we know is not healed. There's no way that you sit out all that time and then, being on your feet, just, I mean, think about when you have like a little thing bothering you with your foot and you're just walking, doing regular stuff around the house. So I just, I don't think, I don't think it's possible. I think the Celtics, if I had to pick one of the two and even if it wasn't the Lakers, you know, somebody else, I mean, I really do think the Lakers, the, the, the Celtics, you know, from a core standpoint, they just, they just have something different. I just feel like they, that, that little that little flame has is maybe diminishing a little bit. It's more like like a burning incense right now, you know what I mean? Than a than a rolling flame. Yep, I agree. I think the Celtics
0: should be the team that could do it, but honestly, bro, I would not be shocked if both these teams got sweat and and it's a wrap here before the end of the week um, here in the next couple of days. So we'll see how that one goes. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt for sure. Uh, Last question. Who wins the NBA championship? I feel like if you say either the Denver Nuggets or the Miami Heat, it's going to sound weird. Like We're really going to have one of those two teams win a championship. They're going to hang a banner. That's crazy to me. Jimmy Butler may get a ring. Mm -hmm. The Joker, Denver Nuggets are going to be the best team in the league. This is, it's just a, it's a yeah. weird year, man. So who do you got Denver or Miami who wins the championship? Or, I mean, you could pick the Lakers or the Celtics. Right. Either of You're going to pick them.
1: So. And so, I mean, I, I think the heat and the nuggets are, are going to advance. So then you have to look at matchups. So how do people match up? It's going to be tough to stop Jimmy Butler, but the nuggets can throw a lot of bodies at him. You have a very defensive minded roster. Who are you going to throw at Jokic? Jamal Murray, let's say that you, let's say you guys have an out of, let's say the Heat have an out of body experience and they just, they can shut down Jamal Murray like nobody has. They, they're the Murray stoppers. Who are you going to throw at Jokic? I do think Bam Adebayo presents a different type of problem because as a big when you have guys your size or bigger than you it's easier to work because you're used to being against guys your size or bigger and having to play up a little bit but when you have a guy that's smaller than you um uh Hachimura said this from the Lakers that he just kind of sat on his knees it's easy for you to do, to put weight and pressure on my knees, on my base, right? Because you just already sit lower. So it's weird. You know, you will get like a guy that's like six foot or like five, 10, that's guarding you in the post. And it's just a little weird. Like, you know, you've done it where you just, you're strong and you're stout and you can hold him from getting to where he wants to get be- literally just because of leverage, you know, like your center of gravity is lower, you're planted. So I think because of that, my point is that I that I think Bam Adebayo can definitely be a challenge. He's a he's a he is a shot blocker. Like I said, his skill set is very rounded. He can handle the ball. He can guard a lot of different positions. But there's nobody else. There's nobody else that you can throw at him. And if Embiid and Anthony Davis, guys like that, can't neutral at least neutralize Jokic, because that's the other thing. You know, if you could just neutralize them, you know, I played times against guys where I played some really great players and they gave me, you know, they gave me some buckets. But I gave them buckets too. You know, you having 36, me having 35, or me having 32 and you having 29, like we're kind of neutralizing each other out. So now, I'm, you know, it's about the other things that I can do inside my game, offensive rebounding and assists, things like that, you know, to give my team the advantage. I just don't think that anybody can do that at the, at the rate that Jokic does it. I mean, it's historical. At this point, it's things that he's in a class. He's starting to become into a class of his own. I think right now he's in a class with people like Wilt Chamberlain and and like Bill Russell. But it's getting to a point to where like he's going to be the only one like in the class that he's creating. So because of that, I would say the Nuggets injuries would be the only thing. I'm a double down. I'm gonna say the Nuggets as well.
0: I just look at Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr., Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon I'm not just naming so man. many guys that man. I'm taking
1: <laughs> Shout out Orlando. What's good? It just hurts every uh, time, man. It just hurts every time cuz when you hear people talk about Aaron Gordon, you know, uh, those of you guys that don't know the way out why reason I always feel like this. Aaron Gordon, University of Arizona, drafted by my magic played there for a while, like really good seasons, really great talent, but we just didn't have it there. He wasn't going to go anywhere and look at him now, a starter and major contributor to a team that's on its way to the finals. Like, Can we just... Y'all will be straight. Y'all will be good. But yes, I am
0: also picking the Denver Nuggets. I just... I think it's their year. They're, they're dominating so far. And I think that as cool as this heat story has been, I still think there's no way those four guys I keep talking about are going to continue uh, playing at the the pace they are with Vincent and Martin and Struess and Robinson. There's no way those guys can play as, as high as they have. And I also think that, that the advantage of the, um, the altitude, I do think that's a real thing. I think when you get out there and you're running ball at Mile High Stadium, bro, your wind is different. It is different, bro. So I do think they have
1: an advantage. Way different, there. dude. But
0: overall, man, R.I.P. to the Celtics. R.I.P. to the Lakers. <laughs> the time has come. That we finally shut down the Boston Celtics references for this season, until the offseason, because you know, you know, we're gonna have to do a pod once, once the the ball is dropped and uh, the changes and adjustments are made. Thank you once again for joining us on the Grateful Eight, our Eastern and Western Conference Finals breakdown. We'll see you all multiple times this week as we get ready to take on another episode here at the Grateful Eight Show.